This is a podcast, uh, the topic being uh, the eugenics debate, uh, ranging from the early 19th century up until the present day, and it is addressed to the Biochemistry and Genetics Club and the Bioengineering Society here at Clemson University. Historically, um, eugenics uh, has some very early uh, mention, uh, that being Plato, who originally referenced an idea that many consider to be the first instance of eugenics, that being birth only occurring among high-class people and preventing birth among lower-class people. Sir Francis Galton was the first to coin the term eugenics in 1883 and was a major propagator for the movement in the United States. Eugenics soon became a growing and increasingly popular topic in the United States and only grew in popularity as more time went on. Henry Herbert Goddard, in his study of eugenics and the intellectual capacities of people deemed inferior, he created the term moron as a term to describe the intellect of someone being equivalent to that of a, quote, normal, end quote, 8 to 12 year old. Shortly after this, the term moron became an insult to refer to someone as stupid or as an individual of low intelligence, a term which still is used as an insult to this very day, and is a primary reason that Goddard later regretted the creating, the creating of the term. The treatment of those who were subject to the scrutiny of the eugenics movement did not end there, however. The Eugenics Crusade, uh, made in 2018, is a documentary made by Michelle Ferrari, and it goes over many of the highlights of just how people with, quote, bad genetics, end quote, were looked down upon in society and how they were treated. The primary method of treatment that the propagators of eugenics wanted to enforce was the sterilization of the people afflicted so they would be unable to reproduce. This eventually influenced law, with the most common eugenics law being enforced was the forced sterilization of, quote, undesirable people, end quote. Um, this primarily took place in the northwestern United States, um, with states such as Oregon, Washington, Colorado, California uh, being some of the states that um, passed these laws in order to have forced sterilization. Uh, the opposition to this forced sterilization eventually made its way to the Supreme Court in the case Buck v. Bell, uh, where the Supreme Court ruled that it was legal to sterilize Carrie Buck, a minor who had been impregnated after being raped due to her and her family's apparent feeble-mindedness, and I found evidence for this in the Buck v. Bell trial from the eugenics archive. Those who were supporters of eugenics saw it as a way to better the human race as a whole and rid humanity of the faults and undesirable traits of people they saw as lesser, such as alcoholism, poverty, feeble-mindedness, and criminality. They were able to convince others of their point by their ethos, that being their status and character, and though through displaying the conditions of those who were seen to be lesser as the simple result of genetics rather than social conditions, which is what is commonly believed to be the cause of it to this very day. Those who were categorized by these groups felt as though they were victims to their environment and did not deserve to be treated as lesser people as a result of this and their situation and social conditions. These people use pathos to emotionally appeal to others and convince them that they should not be subject to involuntary sterilization due to the conditions that they had no power to control as they were simply a result of their birthplace.
A point of view that is not really represented in this debate is that of the general public. So while we see their compliance, we do not really get any accurate descriptions of how they received the concept of eugenics or their reactions to its implementation. But the most highlighted point is that of the supporters of eugenics, since they seem to have triumphed due to the laws that were still in place, even at the end of and after World War II in some cases. Adolf Hitler took inspiration from the American eugenics movement and implemented incredibly drastic and severe measures of implementation, uh, which is commonly known as the Holocaust, which for those of you who are unaware, was the systematic oppression and murder of the Jewish people and other quote undesirables end quote uh, throughout the region that uh, Nazi Germany controlled in Europe uh, during the Second World War and even a little bit prior, so roughly 1937 to 1945. Uh, which mainly included the um, Western Europe, Central Europe, and parts of Eastern Europe. While the eugenics movement in the United States had begun to lose its popularity in the 1930s, it wasn't until after the end of the Second World War and the reveal of the inhumane nature of Hitler's eugenics policies that the eugenics movement lost its popularity in the United States. In more contemporary notes, uh, modern eugenics, also referred to as human genetic engineering, is an effort to alter or, if necessary, remove genes from a person in order to better their health by preventing or curing diseases, or potentially even bettering their overall condition, such being better muscle strength, better memory, uh, quick thinking skills, and those are just some examples um, of what could potentially happen as a result of modern eugenics, also known as uh, human genetic engineering. I found evidence for this at history.com um, in an article titled Eugenics. This can be incredibly beneficial to eliminating genetic diseases like cancer. However, a similar issue with traditional eugenics comes into fruition, where determining which traits are poor or unacceptable is an ethical matter that is subjective and cannot be truly determined. As a result of this, many people elect that all humans should be born regardless of their genetic disparity. The stakeholders in this argument are those who think that modern eugenics can be ethical and should be employed despite the risks, uh, that being deformity and you know, a potential you know, overreach or even, even a resurgence of fascism in the sense of controlling um, which traits are deemed good and which traits are not deemed good. And the other stakeholders are those who think that it shouldn't be employed regardless of the benefits, you know, which could be an improvement of the human condition and the curing of cancers and other things like that. This debate is still important to this day because with breakthroughs in medical science, the topic of ethics will persist as long as there's even the slightest doubt about the ethics of a certain action or practice. Um, we deal with ethics in everyday life, you know, it is just also, you know, referred to as the concept of morality, but more so on a grander scale and through the works of, you know, through practice and, you know, actions that take place. Um, we exercise ethics and attempt to truly determine what would be the best set of ethics to have in order to, you know, continue on and better the society as a whole.